Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. This message was given by Rev. John Manley at a Time of Discovery service in Dayton, Ohio in 2016. God powerfully used this message entitled, Stepping Across the Line. The conversation was going very well. It was late at night. Mom and Dad had gone to bed. And I was sneaking in the back room talking to my girlfriend on the telephone. And the more I talked, the better I felt about this relationship. And as the conversation started to wind down, I began to think, Now's the time. Now's the time. And so just before we said goodbye, I mustered up the courage to say this. I love you. You see, we hadn't gone there yet. And I waited to hear something similar come back to me. And it was silent. Have you ever said something that you know you couldn't unsay and you wish you could walk it back and say something else? Well, it was an awkward goodbye that night and I got off of the phone saying, stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. Why couldn't it do you read this situation? Why couldn't you sense that now is not the time? Why couldn't you know that she's not on the same page? Why, why, why did I do that? Oh, you're, you're leaving me up here by myself. Does anybody know what I'm going through in a moment like that? Oh, hallelujah. I was, I was thinking I was the only poor soul in the universe that's ever done something like that. How many of you know there is a line between like and love. Yeah? There is a line between really liking you and saying those intractable words, I love you. And once I said them, I couldn't ever bring them back. Well, I didn't marry that girl. And probably you can figure out some of the reasons why. But God had a better plan in mind. And if we had more time and I could get away with it, I'd tell you more of that better story. But we'll leave it there. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter comes up to a line that we need to think about. 
The scripture tells us in Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Then Peter, picture this. Jesus says those words, Peter took him. Peter grabs Jesus, apparently, physically grabbing him and began to rebuke him and saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Peter's not happy with what he just heard Jesus say about Jesus going to Jerusalem and suffering. And Jesus has very strong words for him. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. It's against that backdrop. It's against that moment where Jesus has had an argument with Peter. Peter asserts himself, goes over the top, and Jesus puts him in his place. It's against that backdrop that these next words are spoken. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's a line that gets crossed in relationships that takes us closer and deeper with one another. In your relationship, you know how that goes. There comes a point where you decide, are we going forward or is this thing going to die? Peter had in in his mind what he thought Jesus should, should do. Jesus makes it clear, you're not the boss, Peter. I'm going to tell you how it's going to work. And Peter had to make this thing very clear in his mind that I have got to stay on the right side of this line and keep following Jesus. Every now and then, you and I will come up to a point in our relationship with God where he makes it clear where we are. If we're on the safe side of the line or if we're really following him wherever he leads us. There's a line that divides the spectator from the participator. Now, if you've been to a ball game, you understand that there's a crowd full of people who are just watching, but there's only a handful of people that are actually playing the game. Fans are pretty amazing, aren't they? They, they will clap whenever you do well, when you get a good hit, or, or whenever you make that layup, or whenever the, the three-point shot has been hit. But when somebody makes a bad call, When someone doesn't follow through on whatever it was that you expected them to win the game, then they're writing bad things about you in the newspaper. They're they're making bad commentaries about you. And they're booing you and hissing you. And they're talking about firing the coach or trading the players because they're just spectators. 
Jesus Christ would want you and me to come to that point of understanding, I'm not just a spectator. I'm not just going to watch Jesus, but I'm actually going to follow Jesus. I, I will participate in his life. There's a whole lot of spectators in the church. As long as the music's cool, as long as the preaching is interesting, as long as it's not too late or too far or, you know, the people aren't too weird, then it's all right to go along. But if things just don't go exactly like you want them to, if the teacher isn't real interesting, If it's not real convenient, there's a lot of people that just start bailing out. But what Jesus wants is for people who will come to that line and say, I will not just stand on the sideline, but I'm actually going to put myself into this. I'm going to put some skin in the game. Do you know today that you could make a dramatic difference at your church if you chose to be more than just a spectator, a person that watches versus a person who's involved. I've watched a humdrum, boring, rather dull service be transformed when a young person stands to their feet and testifies sometimes with broken and halted words of what they want to do for God and what God means to them, and the hearts of the young people are challenged and the older people are challenged as well. And that little testimony that you thought was just nothing God can use. How about it? Are you willing to be more than just a a spectator, but are you willing to be a full-fledged participator? When do you start paying your tithe? When when do you start putting money in that offering plate? When do you start saying, I'm going to actually pitch in around here and do something? It's not when you hit a magic age, but it's right now. You know, if you went home from this convention and Sunday morning, you, you don't wait for another service to come, but Sunday morning, you actually took it seriously, you might be amazed what would change in your church if you would purpose to be a participator. If you would actually sing when the singing was on. If you would actually listen when the preaching is preached. If you would actually participate and get involved, it would be amazing the things that would happen. In your church, Jesus calls you to be more than just a bystander. There's another line that is important for us to think about. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In our world, this this thing about denying yourself is just so uncool. You gotta assert yourself. You, you gotta reach for something. You've, you've gotta be somebody. You've gotta dream for, dream big. You've gotta reach for the stars. Don't just be a nobody. But Jesus says, let me mark your life and the identity. It's crossing from that line of intimidation to identification. Where on this safe side of the line, we, we don't want to be noticed as a Christ follower. But on the other side of the line, we willingly say, I am a Christian. 
I'm willing to be identified with him. Now, you know about identification. You know when that line has been crossed in the relationship that you're actually willing to include her picture in your profile pictures. You know when you are willing to let anybody who follows you know, this is who I'm with. That's a big deal. You're, you're in a sense saying, I separate myself from the crowd of all the other girls or all the other guys, and I bring this one with me and let you know that she's mine or he's mine, and I'm willing to be identified that way. Are you okay for Jesus Christ to make his mark on your life in such a way that you move from this intimidated side of the line to this identified side of the line that say, yes, I, I do belong to him. When I first got saved, I, um, I found sometimes it was easy to be t- intimidated. I, uh, I, would, I would listen to my Christian music and I liked it loud, except when I was at a stoplight and someone else's windows were down and they could hear my music too. You see, it's, it's, it's so much more fun to listen to your music loudly whenever your windows are down, and, and it just feels right, doesn't it? But if somebody's at the bus stop right beside me whenever I'm at the stoplight here, it's kind of easy to just slide over there and turn that down a little bit because... <laughs> ain't cool. Ain't cool to be jamming on, you know, Christian music. Because those people might look at me and say, huh, I ain't never heard that before. Oh, bro's jamming on gospel. What's this all about? I'm not talking about being an obnoxious jerk, but I'm talking about being so identified with Christ that somebody could say, well, what's that you're listening to? And you don't have to turn it down. You don't have to hide your CD cover. You you don't have to do anything to hide the identifying that you have with Christ because you're willing to be his. You know what we need We need people in this room who are willing now, not some later date, but willing now to say, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, and I actually believe this good book, this Bible. Parked on the street earlier today, and I'm walking across the sidewalk and then across the crosswalk, and I'm carrying my Bible right here in downtown Dayton. And there's a lot of holiness people. There's a lot of Christian people in in the town today, but they're not all Christians. And some of them, look at them. Whenever you're watching, uh, walk across the street, they're sitting at the stoplight, and they're looking at these people like, ooh, ah, huh? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of easy to take, take the book and just kind of, you know, hide it a little bit. As I'm walking along, I'm thinking, I don't know what these people think about me carrying this book. But I build my life on this book. In this book, 
There are the answers for my eternal salvation and yours as well. In in this book, there are words of comfort that when I'm in the darkest, deepest moments of my life, they lift me up. Why should I hide this book when I'm walking across the street? Because we need to move from intimidation to identification. One more. We need to move from partial control to full surrender. Jesus says, if anyone will come after me, he he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I have this little practice that I like to do, especially when I'm around little babies. Try it sometimes and see if it works for you. But you know, whenever you're with even a, a newborn child, you take the little hand of that baby and you, you just make sure it's open. Put your finger in the palm of that hand. Does anybody know what happens next? Exactly right. The natural instinct of that child, even though they may not fully understand what they're even doing, will be to clasp those little fingers around whatever you put in that hand. Try it sometime and see if it works. You know, there's a lot of us here that have some amazing talents and abilities and gifts. Some of you can sing so well. Some of you are so smart. Your your grades are so good. You're scary smart. And you know you've got a scholarship waiting for you. Some of you are good athletes, and some of you know that you have a possibility of a good scholarship ahead of you. Some of you are, are able to make a dollar. It's, it's amazing. You, you've surprised people that are older than you because you can babysit or you can mow a yard or you can do some, something for somebody, and boom, 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 before you know it, people are looking at you like, how did you get that money? You've got a knack for it. Some of you are beautiful. Not all of us are. And some of you, that beauty could be used the wrong way. Whatever it is that's in your hand today, the temptation is is to clasp that hand and to say, I'll hold on to that. I'll keep that for me. I think I know how to manage this. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm going to do with that scholarship. I know what I'm going to do with that singing voice. I know what I'm going to do with that music ability. Oh, man, I know where I'm headed. But do you know what Jesus tells us? That the person who would hold on to that, whatever your life is that you would put in the center Whatever you do to hold on to that, you will ultimately lose it if you try to control it yourself. But if you will allow God to have all that's in your hand, all that's in your life, He can make something more amazing and more special out of your life than you ever dreamed. 
The problem for some of us is we begin to start to cut deals with God and we say, all right, I'll give you this and I'll give you that. We don't tell him this, but in the back of our minds sometimes we say, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold on to this over here. How many of you know that a relationship starts to go bad whenever people start holding out on one another? You, you, you ever find that out? Yeah, you ever find out that you can't just keep information from your girlfriend or your boyfriend, husband or wife, and it, not, it just doesn't go well? Can you imagine? Can you imagine when, when, when we go home, my, my family and I, a little bit later, and um, my wife goes to get in the closet that's down in the basement, and she finds that it's locked. There's a, there's a new padlock that's on there. And she says, what, what's this all about? And I said, you know, hon, we've been married almost 20 years. I have shared everything with you. But you know, I've been thinking, I need, I need some me time. I got some me stuff that I just, I just wanna, I want, I want this place right here for me. And so suppose that she, she just says, okay. You wanna do it that way? Okay. But then every time I go in there, I lock the door. And every time I come back out, I lock the door. How long do you think it's going to take for her to get a little bit suspicious about what I'm keeping locked up down there in the closet? It's not going to take long at all. And if I know anything about my wife, it's not going to be long at all until she's going to say, probably with her hands on her hips and with a very loving but direct voice, we got to figure this out right now. Can you imagine living in that house, my wife and I, can you imagine living in that house with there being a portion of our home that she doesn't have access to? And I carry boxes in and out of there that I won't let her look in, and I just say, this is my stuff, this is my stuff, leave, leave it alone. It wouldn't work, would it? It can't work that way. Just so you know, we've made an understanding that any time of the day or night, she can ask me anything. She has access to all that I have, and I want it that way. You know, the reason why some of us really, really aren't the Christian we ought to be, it's because we're on the wrong side of that line of control. We've been trying to hold on to this, this, this place of, of my stuff, my belongings, my control. What you need to do is open that closet and say, here it is. Here, here, all, here all of it is. And you're going to know all about it. You know, the reality is, is God already knows, but he he waits for us to be honest with ourselves and with him about what's going on before he'll bless us. You know why worship doesn't really mean anything to you? You know why reading the Bible doesn't have any real connection to you? You know why church is sometimes just not very important to you? Sometimes it boils down to this. There's a part of our life that God hasn't been given control. 
Are you willing today to step across the line and say, God, I want to be more than just a spectator. I, I want to be a participator. And if something needs to be done anywhere in your kingdom, I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm sorry that I've been ashamed of, of being a Christian. I'm sorry that I've been afraid to wear your colors. I'm sorry that I've been afraid to be known as one of yours. Maybe there's somebody today that says, I, I really do need to walk across that line from being, you know, partially controlled by me, but fully surrendered to God. You don't want to come up short in the end. Found this story recently from Mission Network News that challenged my heart. A Christian mission agency in South Asia, known as Asia Access, is responsible for helping to plant churches in that part of the world. There's a particular country that is not named for security reasons that was largely filled with Hindus. That was their religious background. And for many years, the, the gospel never really grabbed much of a hold in that country. But then things began to change and they realized part of the answer for seeing the gospel grow and flourish in that country was making sure that everyone who called themselves a Christian knew exactly what they were doing and getting into. Because if you become a, quote, Christian without really being committed to Christ, it will not end well. You'll be disappointed, you'll shame the name of Christ, and the gospel will never advance. But if on purpose, from the bottom of your heart, you know this is a lifelong commitment to Jesus Christ, that if willing, if, if need be, you'll, you'll do everything you have to do in anything, then the gospel will go on with that kind of commitment. Before they will baptize and before they will bring a person into a church membership, there are seven questions that they have to answer affirmatively. So much so that they have to answer these questions and then sign their name at the bottom of this piece of paper with those seven questions. If a person is found to have signed that paper by the government, they are automatically imprisoned for three years. If the government determines who it was that converted that person, who was the, the person that witnessed or, or evangelized that person, that individual gets six years automatically in prison. So the stakes are high. Here are the seven questions. Question number one. Are you willing to leave home and lose the blessing of your father? In this country, that would certainly be a higher price than in some. Question number two. Are you willing to lose your job? Question number three. Are you willing to go to the village and those who persecute you, offer them forgiveness, and share the love of Christ with them, 
even if they hurt you? Question number four. Are you willing to give an offering to the Lord? Question number five. Are you willing to be beaten rather than deny your faith? Question number five. Number six. Are you willing to go to prison? And you probably guessed it. Question number seven. Are you willing to die for Jesus? As we said in a very comfortable auditorium this afternoon, there are people your age and my age that with a trembling hand are signing those papers knowing that it mightn't be that they are forever disowned by their family. Knowing that it might hurt them physically. Knowing that it might mean imprisonment. And knowing that some of them will ultimately lay down their life for Jesus. What a price. But it's a smaller price to pay than the price of losing your soul and coming up empty-handed in the end, having tried to hold on to what was yours or what you thought was yours, only to find it falling through your fingers and unable to grasp. I don't have a paper this afternoon for you to sign. And I don't know ultimately what God will ask of you in your lifetime but I've had this sense that on this Wednesday afternoon, God wanted us to look at the line one more time. And for some of us that have been on the wrong side of the line for a while, we need to say, I'm done with it. I'm finished. I'll take a step across that line and it might mean something more than I ever dreamed, but I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. If you could trade places with anybody today, I wonder who that would be. There's probably some of you here that would probably say, I, I would love to trade places with an athlete. I would love to trade places with a singer. I'd love to trade places with a musician. But for every name that you can think of, of somebody that you would like to trade places with, there are a thousand people who would trade places with you right now who would say, if I could be 14 again, if I could be 16 again, if I could be 20 again, I'd make my choice to follow Jesus and I won't regret it. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition. Brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com.
This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.